Have you ever regretted buying something? Have you ever made a purchase that turned out to be something that you didn't expect? Have you or a loved one ever bought a cookbook from a used bookstore and read through it the next day only to find out that the first few pages were the only ones containing actual recipes and that the rest of the book just told you to make food out of gravel and then it mocked you about an incident that happened to you and only you specifically in second grade and then when you tried to return the book you found that the store had gone out of business but then you saw the owner from across the parking lot and you tried to chase her down and ask what the hell was going on only to be outrun by a cackling old woman? <sighs> if so, you may have just been taken for a ride by hex-used books. I'm Sam Putnam, and you're listening to a mini-sode of Liminal Criminals. Hex Used Books was first seen on August 2, 1994, at the Mega Saver Mini Mall in Spring Hills, Wisconsin. It was wedged between a franchise of Circuit Hut, a now-defunct electronics chain, and Doughboys, a restaurant specializing in serving deep-fried dough of various flavors and qualities. Even upon entering the store, the handful of curious customers who trickled in knew something was amiss. The lights were dim and flickering. The sole employee was a glowering elderly woman who breathed wetly through her mouth, her clenched jaw never loosening. The banner over the establishment's door read, Happiness Opening, followed by a row of no fewer than twelve question marks. Molly Daly, one of the first customers, shared news of her encounter with the strange bookstore in an interview with the Spring Hills Gazette. Daly, having just finished a deep-fried ball of rye dough at the neighboring restaurant, wandered into Hex, interested in browsing the store's wares. She was immediately uncomfortable. I was thinking, you know, that they'd have some cheap James Patterson novels or maybe some kids' books I could pick up for my nephew, but then I took a look around and all I saw were things like The Mortician's Guide to Romance, The Fisherman's Kama Sutra, and like some photo project of accountants in bondage gear, said Daly. I was going to leave, but the old lady behind the counter was staring right at me, breathing heavily the entire time. When I started to walk towards the door, I could swear that she was just sort of growling at me. Feeling threatened by the store's proprietor, she ventured further inside to the literature section. She grabbed the cheapest book she saw, a worn-down copy of The Fellowship of the Ring going for $1.25, and purchased it, trying and failing to avoid the baleful glare of the woman behind the counter. A week after buying the book, Daly, an avid reader, decided to peruse her new purchase. Things were normal until Chapter 6. It had been a while since I last read The Lord of the Rings, but I'm pretty sure there wasn't a character in there named Brett, said Daly. Rather than encountering Tom Bombadil, this edition's version of Frodo and his companions instead ran into a man named Brett. Brett proceeded to spend the evening lecturing the hobbits about the income tax, insisting that it was unconstitutional and illegal for the United States government to levy federal taxes of any kind. Brett was a remarkably common figure among the novels purchased from the literature section of Hex-used books. In the store's copy of Dracula, Brett greets Jonathan Harker on his way towards the titular Count's castle. 
On the way, he regales Harker with an explanation of why any court whose flag uses a gold fringe is inherently illegitimate. In the Epic of Gilgamesh, Brett is there to explain to the God King that any law that restricts American citizens actually only applies to their birth certificates, as the document was created by the United States government as a legal fiction. In the store's $50 leather-bound copy of The Canterbury Tales, there is a chapter simply entitled The Brett's Tale, wherein the narrator rants at length against income taxes, public health care, women's suffrage, men's suffrage, the concept of alimony, and his ex-wife Barbara. When Mary Daly attempted to return her adulterated copy of Tolkien's classic work to the bookstore, she was crestfallen to see that the store had closed two days after she made her fateful purchase. This pattern of uncomfortable purchases, baffling books, and failed returns repeated itself across the years and across the nation. In 2001, a Seattle woman by the name of Wendy Kipper purchased a copy of Everything You Wanted to Know About Duck Husbandry But Were Too Afraid to Ask, only to find that the middle portion of the book was an extended and zoologically accurate Tijuana Bible featuring the Disney character Donald Duck. Upon her return to the store, she found that it had been closed for nearly two weeks. In 2008, Ira Dickinson, a man in the town of Regret, Pennsylvania, bought a copy of Memoirs of a Railway Onanist, whereupon he discovered that the bulk of the book consisted of timetables for Grand Central Station. His attempt to return the book was likewise stymied. In 2012, a college student, who will not be named, bought a copy of The Joy of Danish Cooking, whereupon he found out that not only did half the recipes consist entirely of gravel, and not only did it recount a mortifying incident that happened to him 11 years ago on a second-grade field trip to the state capitol, but it also had a page that just repeated his social security number over and over and over again. And when he went back to Hex to try and return the book, he saw the proprietor walking away from the shop, an enormous steamer trunk in her spare hand. And when he attempted to confront her about the bizarre, disturbing content of the book, she simply sprinted off into the distance laughing her ass off. And when I, he attempted to pursue, she simply fled faster, outstripping several cars on the neighboring road. And he didn't go to the cops with it because who was going to believe him? Who believes that? And then he found out later that... Anyway. To this date, Hex Used Books has appeared in over 50 locations and has duped over 500 unsuspecting customers. Little else is known about the store, its stock of bizarre books or its mysterious proprietor. If you see this establishment, be careful. If you have any information on it, or have a story yourself, reach out to us on Twitter at LiminalCast. I would greatly appreciate it. This has been Liminal Criminals. I'm Sam Putnam. I'll see you next time, and remember, they think of it as a necessary evil. Liminal Criminals was originally a true crime podcast by Liminal Studios. It was originally researched, written, and created by Sam Putnam. 
It is edited for broadcast and distribution with the generous support of the Thonic Riviera government and Deep Self-Preservation League. Up next, I'll be bringing you the news with the evening edition of Studio Community Worldwide Radio. Also, Krista, if you're listening, I swear to God I'm not making up that thing about the cookbook. That actually happened. Liminal Criminals is a fictional podcast by SCWR Productions. It is written and edited by Sam Putnam. It is co-written by Krista Golden. Our theme song is Thonic Riviera by Cornu Amonis. Follow us on Twitter at LiminalCast, or like us on Facebook. Subscribe to us, rate us, and review us on iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast platform of choice. Tell a friend about us. All links are in the show notes.